powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Hey, hello there. Welcome. Hi, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Hi. Oh, man. Thank you, guys, so much. Please sit down. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, virtual audience, to one and all. Man, I tell you what, I love you guys so much. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Derek Duvall Show. I know, right? Thanks. I am Derek, and this is another journey into exploring the lives of extraordinary people. So what's been going on with me, you might ask? Not actually a whole lot. But at the time of this recording, I'm a few hours from going to see one of my favorite alternative rock bands, Collective Soul. Seeing them has been a sort of um, tradition that goes back, well, hell, 13 years, I think. Absolutely fun band to watch. And even the songs you don't hear on the radio sound like they should be. So I'll let you know in the next episode how that turned out. In case you may have seen me on the news, which is funny because none of you know what I look like, uh, I actually am in some footage and some pictures online of the PGA Championship that was held here in Tulsa. If you see a guy walking around with a striped shirt following Tiger Woods from hole to hole, good shot, that might be me. So anyway, I'm sorry to say Tiger didn't play so well, but I was really privileged to say that I actually got to see him. Kind of check that one off the bucket list. Also of note, on Tuesday the 24th of May, myself and Mrs. Duvall are going to go see the premiere of the highly anticipated film Top Gun Maverick. Yeah! Really, really excited for this one, being an old sailor. But for some reason, and this tickles me in some really weird way, my wife is 10,000% more excited to see this than I am. So be sure to check out a Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies covering that film very, very soon. So, welcome to episode 58. We have on the show a very, very special guest. Not only is this guest a former U.S. Navy sailor, but she is also a Navy sailor who served with me during 9-11 and in the opening stage of the war in Afghanistan. It was incredible to reconnect after nearly 20 years, and she has gone on to become a force to be reckoned with. Author, mental health advocate, model, social media influencer. That's right, folks. We have Janae Sergio on the show this is an absolutely amazing episode, and I cannot wait for you to hear it. So let's not waste any time. Let's just go ahead and get her on out here. Ladies and gentlemen of Duval Nation, please rightfully rise to your feet and welcome our newest friend of the show and someone I have the absolute highest respect for, author of the book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero, my fellow shipmate, Janae Sergio. Hello, welcome to the Derek Duvall Show. How has your week been so far? It's been great. Thank you. And you? I can't complain, actually. So I start my interviews with the same question. How has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world we're living in? Um, 
It's been interesting. Uh, at first, it was nice, you know, being home with my kids and being able <laughs> to spend time with them. Nice. Um, but, it, you know, over time, it's gotten to be a little bit of a challenge, especially because I PCS in the middle of COVID in the middle of pandemic. And then I um, took on a really challenging job that also uh, was impacted by the pandemic. So just kind of working through all that. And I have a small business that was negatively impacted by it. So it's been mm. it's been a challenge, but always up for the challenge. Have they rebounded? Everything good? Um, yeah, for the most part. All right, good, good. Yes. So every great story has a beginning. And yours is chronicled in your new book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero. Uh, this book, part biography, part memoir, getting incredible reviews. So... Are you originally from California? Um, what are the circumstances that led to your homelessness at 16? I am originally from California. I grew up uh, in a, a dysfunctional family. My mom was a single mom of three daughters at a very young age. It just it became really challenging over the years. I, I kind of detail a lot in the book about some of the abuse that I endured as a child. And then there was a um, an incident that happened that I kind of go into in the book that led to my mom deciding to just drop me off. It was something that happened that was out of my control. I was a victim in the situation, but my mom decided that she could no longer wanted me at home. And she took me to a homeless shelter and dropped me off in Hollywood at mm -hmm. 16 years old. Do you still remember that day real well? I do remember the day. So what led to your decision to join the United States Navy? And why not any of the other branches? I spent, um, after my mom dropped me off at the shelter in Hollywood, um, I spent about two and a half years on the streets trying to really uh, avoid attempts to lure me into sex trafficking and attempts to lure me into drug addiction. And as I was trying to really live in survival mode, I wasn't able to really get a good footing in life. I was struggling in school, wasn't able to get, uh, you know, to graduate high school. I was working under the table jobs because I wasn't legally able to work. And so, you know, I turned 18 years old and I, I phased out of the system, out of, you know, support system that I was getting the transitional living home that I was mm -hmm. living in. My friend came to me and was like, hey, I joined the Navy. I would love for you to meet the recruiter. And so the recruiter took me to uh, Carl's Jr. for lunch, <laughs> it was a delicious cheeseburger. <laughs> and he convinced me because I'm from California. And so he was like, you'll always be there, be by the beach. He described this, the mm -hmm. ship, the Navy ship, like a cruise ship. You'll be traveling mm -hmm. the world you're going to see different countries he said there was a bowling alley <laughs> that's on the the bowling alley that's what they got me too i remember that <laughs> you got the bowling alleys i got the bowling alley too yeah and on the same ship we looked for yep. the bowling alley did you yep. find it because i didn't i tried i asked around <laughs> they thought i was some sort of nut job so no <laughs> tell us your favorite boot camp story my favorite boot camp story, oof, I would almost say it was my first day in boot camp. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. We got like a, a beating, which mm -hmm. is where they um, basically make us all PT together and we have to do sit-ups and push-ups. I didn't know how to do a sit-up. I could not do one sit-up. So of course, like the way that boot camp works is if one person can't do it, everybody has to keep going until that person finally can do their share. Uh, you got popular real fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what they did was they they gathered around me and they looped their arms between my arms and basically were pulling me up to do the sit-ups nice. with them. 
I was so embarrassed. I was, I was thin. I thought I was in shape, but I had never even done a sit up in my life. <laughs> That's awesome. So full disclosure to Duval Nation, you and I served on the same ship during our time in the Navy. And we both enlisted when the world was a very different place. I think we could both agree on that. Yeah. Tell us your 9-11 story. We were supposed to pull into port. We were out to sea. You're going to remember this because you were also on the ship. Yep. Um, but we were out to sea. We were just doing sea trials uh, for yep. a short stint. And I woke up to the captain of the ship announcing what had happened. And I'll be honest, because of my background, I didn't understand what any of that meant. I didn't mm -hmm. understand what the World Trade Center was. I didn't understand what any of this meant. I didn't even know what the word terrorism meant because we were living in peacetime. We hadn't experienced anything like that. And, and call me naive, but I really just didn't understand. Um, so I went upstairs. I woke up out of the birthing, went upstairs and stood around and watched as um, the second uh, plane, I believe, hit the towers. Mm -hmm. I believe. I may be off on the timing there, but I, I watched it on the news as the towers were um, falling, and and then we were um, extended out to sea. We were supposed to pull into pull into port that morning, and we ended mm -hmm. up getting extended out to sea, and we had to um, patrol the coast. Now you tell your version. <laughs> uh, my version. I was working the overnight shift, and I had gone out of the gym. I had gone got a little some snack. And I was in my rack and I had my curtains closed and I'm reading and what have you. And someone just ripped my curtains open, which if you understand, you know, you don't do that in the Navy. Yeah. You know? And he says, Hey, you got to come see this shit that's going on on the TV. I said, I said, what? I don't, I really care. He goes, no, you got to come now. Put my, my sandals on, walk 10 feet to the birthing break room, the rec room. And there's the first tower on fire. And I'm like, what am I looking at? You know? And they're like, the, the world trade center is on fire. I'm like, okay. And you know? Yeah. And so I'm turning around and as I'm turning, I'm hand to God, my peripheral caught that plane, hit that building. Wow. And I stood there and everyone was shocked. But here's the part that we'll never forget to the day I die. What we didn't know was our chief had had his head in the right when the tower, when the plane hit the tower. And he said these words that will forever be entrenched in my brain. What movie are you watching? Oh, and he, he thought it was a movie. And we're yeah. and one of the guys, I can't remember if it was uh, Johnson or something like that. He turns around and goes, no, Chief, this is real. Chief did a 180 and, and left. And we're all standing around, you know, like, what the hell are we supposed to do? Mm -hmm. And then what you said, the captain calls on and says, we are aware of what's going on in New York and Washington. Stay off the phones, you know, what have you. And then I remember we, they had a muster on the flight deck and they put all the the jet deflector ramps up. They had everything, you know, what have you. And we were all just like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm 21 and five months old and I'm like, Holy shit, we're going to war, you know? Yeah. So that was my nine 11 story. And then I remember, you know, operation noble Eagle us going up and down the coast, you know, making sure then when, you know, but yeah, that's my story. So I was 19 and I mean, you know, we had just come from, we were like a floating Hollywood. You know, the celebrity on board. Yeah, yeah, we had just come from Hawaii and had the huge Pearl Harbor movie premiere mm -hmm. on the flight deck. So right. I was thinking, if this is the Navy, like, this is great. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but then to add to that, I mean, we had just watched the Pearl Harbor movie. And now yeah. we're getting told we're going off to war. So yeah. imagine how frightening. I mean, you can imagine because you were part yeah. of it, how frightening that was for us at such a young age. Do you remember what they did when we finally pulled in? They had went to general quarters because they saw a mine in the water. Oh, I, I honestly yeah. don't recall that. 
spec ops done on um, buds down there. They were doing underwater training and they'd left a dummy mine in the middle of the San Diego Point Loma area. And someone thought that it was an actual mine. So they switched the ship to general quarters and finally, obviously it was a fake. And then we mm -hmm. pulled in that morning, but I was, I'll never forget that today. I died. We're like, it's starting. Oh no. So I mean, every time when, when we were deployed, every time uh, a plane would launch, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, the, the world was just under such, uh, it was so tense right at that time. And especially um, in America, but it was so tense that everything was startling. And so I, I slept underneath the catapult. And so every time a plane would launch, I would shake, like I would lay there in my bed thinking, or my rack, thinking, or did we just get, did we just get bombed? Did something right. just, you know, did a missile just hit us? Like we didn't, we didn't know what that would be like. We were just so on edge that I think, like you said, I was probably afraid during that general quarters as well, but everything was so scary for us that I remember even just pulling out mm -hmm. of San Diego, how scary mm -hmm. that was. Do you remember when we lost that F-14? Yes. Have you seen it on YouTube? It's on YouTube now. Yes. You can find it. Um, I, I, I remember watching that actually yeah, as it happened. I remember that was crazy. Mm -hmm. So that being said, 9-11 happens. We go over, you know, we start in the, in the opening phases of the first war of Afghanistan. What do you remember from that deployment most? We weren't prepared. The ship wasn't prepared for a deployment. We weren't supposed to deploy for several, you know, until the beginning of the following year. Yeah, March. And so... I remember we were doing, um, before we pulled out, before we went on deployment, I remember we were doing um, onloading of supplies mm -hmm. and the chief comes and he pulls us all aside and he says, uh, I have news for you guys. We're going to be deploying. We're going to war. And mm -hmm. he was like, we're going to go ahead and start our leave now. And, you know, half of the division is going to go on leave for 15 days and the other half is going to go after. And so this is a time to prepare and, you know, make sure your your powers of attorneys and your wills are all in order, which was very yeah. scary. So when we went on that deployment, we didn't have all of the supplies that we needed on board. And so we had to start doing vertical replenishments at sea mm -hmm. in order to get the supplies that we needed, but also to offload um, anything that we didn't need. And I remember on that deployment, I, this was 20 plus years ago, and women were still kind of making our way in the military and trying to really prove ourselves, prove that we could do the same jobs that our male counterparts could do. So we have the vertical replenishment at sea, and on the flight deck, you have the helicopter, it lowers down, you know, because you were in aviation, um, you have the helicopter, it lowers down, and we hook like a stanchion in order to offload supplies. We have a pallet sitting on the flight deck. We hook a huge stanchion to the bottom of the hovering helicopter, and then it lifts off and it takes that pallet and it moves it over to another ship. So I was on the flight deck and my job was to use the pallet jack or to use the forklift, but the chief wouldn't let me do the part where you hook the stanchion into the helicopter. I thought it was so cool because you get to stand under the helicopter while it's hovering. It was a very dangerous, very scary job, but I wanted to do it. I wanted to try it. And the chief was like, no you'll get blown over the side. You're too skinny. You're not strong enough. It, it has to be done quickly. So he wasn't looking and the E5, uh, the SK2 was like, go ahead and give it a try. So I went out there and I was like, I'm going to do this the best, you know, better than all the guys. I'm going <laughs> to prove that I could do this. And so I'm standing there and the helicopter, you know, hovers above my head and I just look up and I just, I aim perfectly. I snap it in and I run right out from under the helicopter faster than any any of the men. And 
after that, I got to be on the team and then I got to actually lead the team. I got to mm. make the decision of who was going <laughs> to hook that stanchion to the helicopter and who wasn't. And you know that being on the flight deck and working on the flight deck, that's one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. So yes. it was a huge accomplishment. And and especially to do that in the middle of wartime was, it was mm. very memorable. You say you got to lead the team. Did you put any other women on the team to help them teach Absolutely. them to do it? Okay. Absolutely. Good. Right. No, I didn't just put women, but I definitely right. no, 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 yeah, had yeah. a more integrated team. I do want to say one thing. Uh, we had a conversation a couple of days ago, just getting reacquainted. We haven't talked to each other in many, many years. You mentioned an event that happened to you um, in the Navy that is in your book. You mentioned it in your book. Is there any way you could give us a, a glancing kind of a, a general understanding of what happened? So in my book, and, and it is Mental Health um, Awareness Month, and so right. I will add that in my book, I talk about um, multiple experiences that I've had with uh, sexual assault, um, one of them being in the military. But uh, one of the ones that I actually talked to you about was more along the lines of kind of sexual harassment, where we were doing a ceremony. Um, and I won't go too into detail about it, but we were doing a ceremony, and um, somebody on board took advantage of the chaos and use that as an opportunity to basically ruin that memory for me by mm -hmm. sexually harassing me throughout the entire ceremony. And so I'll leave the rest of that for the reader. You know, one of the things that I will say is sexual assault and sexual harassment happens so often in the military that for me, we became, we become numb to it. Like we don't, we're afraid to report it and we just kind of learn to live with it and it shouldn't have to be that way. But that's, those are core memories that were ruined mm. for me because of that. Uh, I read you obtained your degree while you're in the Navy. What was I it did, in? After I got out of the Navy. So while I was on the ship, I, I don't know if I, if I told you this part, but uh, I joined the military without a high school diploma. Mm -hmm. I'm one of the few people who made it through the ranks without a high school diploma. And so while we were actually deployed Operation Enduring Freedom, remember they brought uh, professors out so that we could yeah. get college courses. So <laughs> I totally forgot that I had skirted all that way without a high school diploma. I tried to sign up for a college course and they were like, well, you're kind of missing something here. <laughs> <laughs> and so my chief and the careers program was like, how did you do this? Like, how did you get this far without even having a high school diploma? You're not supposed to even be able to join without one. Um, but right. I had gotten a waiver and we forgot in boot camp that I was supposed to stay and get my GED. So while I was on the ship, while we were deployed, while we were launching aircraft um, in combat, I was on the Mestex taking an eight hour GED test. <laughs> <laughs> um, after I got out of the military, I went on to get my bachelor's degree in business management. Nice. So what led you to leave the Navy? I, um, I loved the Navy. I was a lifer. I had four NAMs in just eight years. I was dual warfare. I had, I, I was doing a great job and I felt like I had done everything right. I spent the first four years of my career on a ship deploying. And the second part of my career, I was on shore duty. And for anyone who's looking to start a family, for me, I thought that was ideal. That was the perfect time. I wasn't going to be deploying anytime soon. And it wouldn't really impact the Navy too much if I were pregnant and, you know, had a, a young child at home. Um, but that couldn't have been further from the truth. I, as soon as I found out I was pregnant, it was like the attitudes towards me completely changed. Mm -hmm. And I started kind of feeling like I was, I was being viewed as a burden on the military. 
Um, at one point, one of my leaders said, uh, if the Navy wanted you to have a baby, it would have come in your sea bag. And so <laughs> I was like, you know what? I don't want to spend the rest of my career trying to prove that I'm worthy as a mother and a sailor. Um, I don't want to spend the rest of my career trying to find ways to um, get out of duty so that I could spend time with my child. I didn't want to miss my child's life because I didn't have that family um, right. that I needed growing up. And so I wanted to be that for my kids. And so I thought, you know what? The best thing for me to do is for me and the Navy is for me to just transition and take the skills and take the benefits and the knowledge that I have and transfer that to something else. It was extremely scary, um, but it did actually work out pretty well for me. That's great. Obviously, like I said, we've had veterans on the show before, and um, a lot of people are asking me this question a lot, especially in the last couple of months, knowing what I did and what I was doing during my military career. Same for you. I'll ask this question. Um, in 2021, as a veteran of the conflict, what are your emotions you go through with the end of the Afghanistan war? Um, it shouldn't have gone on that long. And, you know, I, I think it was really, really hard to watch um, because I felt like was everything that we had done, was it for the right reason? You know, when, yeah. when all of this started, we were the first ones to be shipped off to start Operation Enduring Freedom. You and I, we were yeah. amongst the first tens of thousands of service members to be shipped off to um, kick off Operation Enduring Freedom. When we were sent to war, we had just watched uh, an attack on our country. And we felt an immense sense of pride for our country. And we felt like there was purpose. As the years dragged on, you start to wonder, was this, was it really worth it? Mm -hmm. You know, like, why did this carry on for so long? And um, why did we lose so many people? And so I think that was just kind of the emotions that I had were really just kind of questioning, trying to understand was, what was the purpose and was my role helpful or not help. I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but it's just, you yeah. know, there's just so many emotions of just why I just yeah. don't understand it. And I, I still don't understand why it went on for so long. When we went over there, we had a mission defeat Al Qaeda, get rid of the Taliban. You know, we weren't supposed to be there doing nation building. That was something that came on long after we were done with yeah. what our part, but we, but we play a role in it. And mm -hmm. now to see, you know, women have to wear, you know, fully covered now. There are only their eyes are allowed to be shown. They can't go to school anymore, can't hold jobs. You know, that the part to me is like, you know, what the hell was the point of all this if it's gone back to the way it was? Like, like, like did we leave them worse off than exactly? <sighs> so that, that's that's the way I've always looked at it. And, and I'm not gonna lie to you, and I'm I don't know how you were, but when that went down last August, I didn't talk to anybody about it for a month. Yeah. I, I didn't want to hear it from my friends, my family. I just didn't want to hear it. I was seething, just mm -hmm. so angry. The, I will say this, and I, I, a lot of people have said this. I don't know if you're a member of the VA, yeah. but the VA sent an email out two days after it started. It said, Afghanistan, let's talk about it. And I'm like, the VA doesn't give a damn about us. I was like, where is this email coming from? Yeah. But yeah, it just. Yeah. Um, it did yeah. have, it, it, like, like I said, yeah, it just had that, the same as you, just like that questioning yeah. of like, what was like what was the purpose of all this why did we lose so many people 
when we yeah. just left things, yeah. in my opinion, worse than they started. Right now, we're about to talk about your, you know, championing mental health. I mean, the mental health of veterans, especially people who are actually on the ground, mm -hmm. you know, guns in hand on the ground. I can't even imagine what they were going through watching that unfold on mm -hmm. whatever news broadcast you watch. Okay, Deval Nation, we're going to go ahead and take a small break. This gives you a chance to stand up, stretch, refresh that drink, and do some nice, long, deep breathing exercises. Enjoy these promos for two friends of the show, and we will be right back in a few minutes. Coming every week on podcast platforms everywhere, a podcast like no other. Listen to John as he talks about comic books, video games, and anything he wants. Every week is a new topic. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll subscribe. Follow The Basement Reload on all social media platforms at Basement Reload and smash that subscribe button. It's time for a reload. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if time did stand still? The flowers and the plants would never develop to their full potential. And neither would you. Time is important to everyone plants, animals, and you. As you grow, you learn. And as you learn, you change and develop. And that development is the thing that determines your future. So time is our friend. If we use our time wisely, we'll enjoy all the good things that life has to offer. Teachers, do you ever have these feelings or have been told these things? Do you want Kleenex for your classroom? Maybe you should think about buying your own with your own money. You get the summer off, you can have a second job. Do you really need a pay raise? Oh, do you need to use the restroom? Maybe you can do that in the three minutes while students are changing classes. Boy, sure hope your room doesn't descend into Lord of the Flies in that time. Oh, things are going pretty good for one. Surprise! Budget cuts. Well, you're in luck because we've got a book just for you. Hi, everyone. It's Katie Kinder, educator, speaker, and author of Untold Teaching Truths. I invite you to purchase my book and join this journey as we talk about the wild world of public education. Part memoir, part strategy. It is available on BookBaby, Amazon, or wherever books are sold. Teach on Warriors. We've got this. Hey, do you have a podcast or maybe you're just thinking about starting a podcast? Well, I am Chris from Podtastic Audio, and here I show you tips and tricks on how to make your audio sound the best it possibly can with the gear you already have. With two years of experience on the Chris and Christine show creating the finest audio I possibly can make, I will show you the tips and tricks I have used on that show to make the audio sound fantastic. So if you have any podcast-related questions to your audio, you always can email me at podtasticaudio at gmail.com like this guy here did. His name is Joe. Joe writes in from the cast. Hey Chris, when we all sit down together to record our episode, our audio is too low and it has a lot of echo in the recording. How do we make our show sound better? Well, Joe, is the microphone you're using rhyme with the name Betty? And is that microphone in the same room with you? 
I'd start with that stuff first. And for more podtastic audio information, you can go to anchor.fm slash podtastic audio, and you keep on making your amazing podcast. Welcome back to the Derek Duvall Show. I told you we wouldn't take too long. Let's not waste another minute and get back to the conclusion of our interview with Navy veteran and author, Janae Sergio. But that leads us into our next question is like, how do you approach the subject of mental health to help others? Um, I feel like we heal through helping others. And so I share, I feel like shared stories is really, really helpful talking about it for those who can, because I think in the, in the initial phases, it takes a long time to be able to even get to the point where you can talk about the things that you've been through, really just talking about it, sharing stories. Um, and writing this book for me was like a big part of my healing. Uh, you know, I was able to really go through and I had to relive a lot of what I went through. Like, like I said, I relived some of the sexual assault. I relived going, you know, being shipped off to war at 19 years old. I relived all of the things that have caused hardship in my life. And I was forced to sit and really deal with the emotions over the years in order to survive. I've just suppressed those emotions, but I was able to actually deal with them, you know? And then on top of that, I was able to actually give myself credit for how far I've come, give myself credit for even just the smallest decisions that have gotten me to where I am today. And so um, I would say, you know, especially with mental health is it's okay to not be okay. We hear that all the time, but do we really take it seriously? The first time I had to walk into the VA um, with like a mental breakdown, I actually broke down more because I was there asking for help. I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if anyone's ever experienced that, but the feeling of Walking into the VA to ask for help for mental health made me feel weak. Like I couldn't handle it anymore. And I just, I sat there for an hour in the waiting room, just trying to deal with the fact that I was that person. And, but that's what I want to tell people is it's okay to not be okay. And seek the help and get the help. And if you're not getting the help that you deserve, because we know that the VA sometimes doesn't give that, keep trying, Mm -hmm. keep trying to get that help because you are worth it and you are going to pull through. I truly believe that. So like I said earlier, perfectly flawed is, you know, part biography, part memoir, you know, where, at what point in your life did you sit down and say, I want to write this book? I struggled with it, especially when I first got on social media and I started gaining a following. Um, I was mostly showing fashion. I was just kind of being humorous, but I wasn't really talking about my story because I thought like, who wants to hear my story? You know, like what do people want to hear my story for? And, but every once in a while I would share snippets of my story, little parts of my story. And people were like, whoa, you know, I, we, I can totally relate. We need to hear more of your story. Uh, it was so helpful to hear how you went through that and then to see where you are today. And so I had considered maybe writing a book over the years, but I just couldn't get to that next step. I was invited on the Drew Barrymore show last year. And after I went on the Drew Barrymore show, I felt like I could have told more of my story on the show. Um, So I got back and I was feeling kind of deflated, like, gosh, I feel like I really could have gotten more of my story out and really helped more people. And my book coach, Tina was like, let's do it, Janae let's write this book. It's going to be a healing journey for you. Um, and you're going to be able to save lives. And she's like, you know, just a reminder that if you can help just one person, it will have all been worth it. 
I wrote the book. I spent six months, the last six months writing the book. And when I say if I could have just helped one person, it would all be worth it. I mean that. But what I didn't think about was that that one person is me. It helped me. It helped me to overcome all of that. So if it could help me, I strongly believe that it can help others. And like you said, the feedback that I've been getting is people are feeling helped. I didn't just dump all of my trauma onto people. I didn't just tell my story. I shared my mindset. I shared, you know, how I pulled through some of those hardships and the mindset that I used of being able to really be my own hero. So you mentioned earlier, you know, people have read it. What has been the overall general response to the book been? So first of all, I didn't know so many people read a book and like a, a chapter book that long in just one day, but mm -hmm. almost every single person has said, I picked it up and I wasn't able to put it back down. I read your entire book in one day. The, the next thing they say is, oh my gosh, I would have never thought you had gone through as much as you did. I wanted to give you hugs throughout the uh, book because I couldn't believe that you had been through so much, but to see how your, where your journey has come and the mindset that you've used has inspired me and and a lot of people are feeling emotionally moved to either you know better their own lives or to go out and help others and so it's been really a positive emotional movement for people so the next question is kind of an interesting one uh what's it like to be famous on social media and how much work does it take to keep up with it <laughs> Well, I try not to use the word famous because I don't know where, where do you yeah. like, I mean, I guess like, I, I don't know, <laughs> look, I stutter when I talk <laughs> about the word famous, because I don't know where you consider the famous, but I have about half a million followers across all my platforms. It's a lot. It's a lot of work to keep up with. Um, it's fun. It's inspiring. There's more positive than negative on social media. And like I said, that's, you know, I even mentioned that in my book that I was inspired by the people of social media to share my story and to get out and help more people. Um, so it's fun. I do deal with my share of bullying. I deal with my share of harassment. I have people who have been stalking me. Oh, that's crazy. Um, yeah. And, you know, I deal with romance scams, people stealing my photos and using them in romance scams. Um, that's, a brings that's a thing. It's wow. really bad. Oh, you didn't know wow. about that? I swear to God. Really no. The military. no, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. With, you know, it's, it's actually very common in the military that the scammers, there, there's lots of them, they take military members' photos and they use them in romance scams. And so that's because people tend to trust military members. And they also oh. tend to believe that military members might be stuck overseas and need help. Um, so the scammers... They steal our photos, they scam people. And then what happens is after they get whatever they want from those people and run away, those people then want to see who the real person is in the photo. So I get probably uh, once a week, at least one angry man in my messages telling me what a terrible person I am because they got scammed by somebody who used my photos. And I've had somebody actually, a, a, a sex offender, a registered sex offender, stalking my family for since 2018 because That's he was a, scammed by a romance a, scammer so it, it, a, it comes with its ups and downs yeah what a horror show wow yeah talk about something uh interesting uh while we were doing our research this is kind of fun talk to us about the maxim cover girl uh contest where did that inspiration to do that come from that was 
the start of me wanting to use my my story and my background to help others. And so I had seen somebody had entered the contest and I took a look and I saw that the contest, the uh, the contest was geared towards helping homeless veterans. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, that's right up my alley. I have uh, started a lot of programs to help homeless youth and the homeless community. That's really what my passion is. And um, so I said, let me go ahead and enter this. I was, I think I was like 30 years old and I was like, <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking, trying to compete with these young <laughs> models. Um, but I decided to go ahead and give it a go. Navy Times ran a story um, on my really? background. Yes. Oh, wow. And wow. after Navy Times ran that story, uh, all the, the large news networks picked it up. And oh, so wow. it went internationally viral all over the news. That's, I didn't. Wow, that's really cool. It was really cool. It, what was cool is it brought a lot of really cool people into my life. And that was like probably my favorite part of my social media journey, because that's when I started to really realize that there are people out there who have shared stories and there are people out there who feel inspired by my story. And mm. so I, after that, I just wanted to continue to do more. I didn't win the contest, but I won the journey. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna start saying that too when I like lose at darts or something like that. I didn't win the contest, but I won the journey. So. Yeah, <laughs> I just made that up. So <laughs> you're definitely welcome to use it. Thank you. So, what does the future hold for you next? Uh, so now that we have the book out, once you know, hopefully people start reading it, feeling inspired by it. We are um, working to donate it to at-risk youth, homeless youth, to kind of help them with feeling inspired. I feel like if I was sitting in a homeless shelter when I was sitting in a homeless shelter, if a book like that had come into my hands, because I was big on reading, I was big on daydreaming and hoping for the future. So trying to get that into as many hands as possible to show these young people that you can be your own hero. Um, so getting out and doing speeches with them, mentoring them, and just trying to really help spread uh, positive um, reinforcement to people who are going through hardship and, and sharing that with them. So that's kind of, that's what I'm looking at next is a couple speeches and, um, maybe some more books. We'll see. Get, get you a Ted talk. Yes. Yeah. So, um, as we begin to wind down this interview, uh, what would be the best way for my listeners to follow your adventures online? So you can find my book perfectly flawed book at perfectlyflawedbook.com. Um, it'll, it's on Amazon, so it'll lead you directly to the Amazon link. Um, and then you can find me at Janae underscore perfectly flawed across all social media platforms. Nice. So this is my favorite part. I end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this, if the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you want to say to the people of earth? No one's coming to save you. And I don't say that because people don't want to help you. And I don't say that if you're in, in a position to be able to help someone that you shouldn't. People are going through their own things and they may not be capable of helping you when you need it. So always be your own hero. Be intentional about the path that your life takes and be ready to save yourself. Don't sit around and wait for someone to come and rescue you. Awesome. That's very good. That's, that's a good answer. So, um, Janae, thank you for coming on. Shipmate, I am truly sorry for all the horrible shit you've had to endure over your life, but I'm very proud of who you have become. Um, I see nothing but amazing things in your future. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
It's always welcome. fun talking to another shipmate. <laughs> we don't get to do it very often. So I'm, no, I'm, I was I'm, like, <laughs> as soon as I found out you were on the stennis, I was like, sign me up. I'm excited for this conversation. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on. Wow. Well, that brings us to the end of episode 58. I want to thank Janae for not only reconnecting with an old salty shipmate, but for also being a force for good and a shining beacon for helping others be the best version of themselves. Her book, Perfectly Flawed, A Veteran's Journey from Homeless to Hero, is available now for purchase on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever books are sold. We still have a lot of great interviews coming in the coming weeks, and I am beyond excited to share these amazing guests and their adventures through life with you. I also want to give a shout out to Devon Nation. This show has been showing up on several prestigious lists for most streamed show, and I cannot be more thrilled. Some of the contents and reviews we are getting makes me incredibly happy, and from the bottom of my heart, thank you ever so much. We'll be back later this week with another Derek and Mindy's Fun With Movies. I cannot wait to see how Top Gun Maverick turns out. Look for that episode to drop later on this week. On behalf of the entire production team here at The Derek Duvall Show, I say to each and every one of you during Mental Health Awareness Month, it's okay to not be okay. Speak to a professional, and they can get you back on course to living a happier and fulfilling life. Nosta, God bless, and see you next time, Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duvall Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvallShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duvall Show.